Hello and welcome to Equine Voices Podcast. My name is Ronnie, an intuitive equine communicator. I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. For the first time ever, we're putting together all of the information and knowledge over 38 years of animal training. I set out to really try to educate the horse world about positive reinforcement, how it works, and how to utilize it and embrace it, because I know it's really powerful and, and kind of incredible. I'm Shauna, and what I do is positive reinforcement training. Whether it is a competitor who's at the highest level, I've worked with Olympians at show jumping, at dressage, and other Olympic-level riders, or you just like to go out and visit your horse once a week. It's really for everybody. When we talk about traditional training, technically, it's called negative reinforcement. Positive reinforcement, on the other hand, means we're adding something to the equation, which increases the frequency of behavior. You can expect to learn the foundation work, the pieces that are going to really change your horse's emotional state. It's really going to change the relationship you have with your horses. This is science. The very first thing we're going to teach you is how to teach your horse manners related to being hand fed. Every time we feed our horses, we're reinforcing things that the horse thinks are important. The science behind it is already in action. So the more we learn about it, the better we can be as partners for our horses. People think that you can't do this with riding. That's only for groundwork. And that's just not true. This is such an excellent tool. This brings something where what you're getting is a horse who is invested in the training and the outcome of the training. Because we put something in it that the horse values, that the horse likes, they become invested in the training. And that's a game changer. When you're talking competition, that is the game changer. I will always share stories that will tie the science to something that you can relate to. Trailer loading or things at the highest performance level. I don't want to teach you to bot-load these steps. I want you to think and be able to problem-solve your way through all the things that come later. And that starts with helping you to understand the science. All of it can be addressed with positive reinforcement. If you are interested in creating a better partnership with your horse, if you want to have a happy athlete who enjoys performing and going to shows or anything in between, then this is probably something that is really going to speak to you. We're going to start with a foundation and then we're going to continue to add and add and add. So I'm so excited about sharing it with you. Hi and welcome. My name's Ronnie and tonight's interview is with Shauna so she can explain um, what it is she does and how she started on her journey of working with horses. So here we go. Hi Shauna and welcome and thank you so much for joining me tonight. <laughs> if you'd like to introduce yourself and explain who you are and what it is you do. Okay Ronnie, thank you and it's lovely to be here. Um, so you got my name right. Yep. Shauna Karish is my name and memo. And so that's a very different journey and a very different way to come into the horse world. And I, I look at the best side of that because I came in and just thought everything was done with positive reinforcement. So thing was to make sure that we made it fun and we made it where it's something they wanted to do and they were excited to, to find out what the humans were going to do today. And so I did come in having to undo a lot of stuff because I came in without a horse background. I came in as a positive reinforcement trainer. Now that was about 28 years ago now. So it's a long time ago. And, you know, I've learned much since then. But really what I did is I took the positive reinforcement training to the horses 
I started first looking into it in probably 1993. And then in 1994, really started working horses, got a horse, decided to set out and figure out how it was done. So it, it, it's a long road to hoes since then. You think about way back then, nobody knew anything about positive reinforcement. You didn't have Facebook groups. You didn't have Facebook. I was one person out there saying this is really important. And I naively, oh, the horse people are going to be so excited about positive reinforcement. And it's so effective, and that's what I thought they would do. And that's not quite been what I've experienced. But but the tides are changing. You know, it is got groundswell movement that's really taking hold. People are starting to understand it. And while I started with the highest level of riders and, and very talented riders, Beasy Madden is really gifted and soft when it comes to flying traditional training. And so if that's where I started. Went started working with everybody. I realized this isn't just for Grand Prix show jumping. This is for, you know, injections and you're getting started and all pieces in between. So I really kind of changed the, the topography of that and really started working with our people who were interested more in their recreational kind of situations. And then that it's taken hold in the horse world, I think our the frontier that we really need to conquer now is the show world and figuring out how can we do it with positive reinforcement being first. With the horses and well-being being above showing and the show, you know, accolades that come with it. So that's where I am. And that's kind of a little nutshell of how I got to where I am. Do you want to tell us about your horses in, in your life? So I know a little bit what I've seen on, on Facebook from Mint, and he was a special horse in your life. Would you like to tell us a little bit about him? Yes. <laughs> when we first started with John and Beasy Men, so when I came out of the horse world, I thought, I just want to figure out how it's done. And then somehow I got in with working with Beasy and John Matt. And Beasy is considered one of the best horse people in our country, for sure. So he's very soft as a rider's go and professional riders and horses lover, and she doesn't have to get after a horse to get things done. And she picks horses who already like their job. So that's where I first started. They had two young horses. One was six months old and one was a yearling. And so while I worked with all the, the show horses, a different situation, the two ones were there all the time. Two ones became, for lack of better word, our guinea pig. You know what I mean? They're the ones that learned everything with positive reinforcement who didn't have traditional training. So Minty and George were the two. And Minty is the one that was with me for so long. And in June, I had to put him down. He was 28 years old and had had a stroke. And we didn't do the MRI and find out, but it was pretty clear. He became a toxic, wobbly, and vision in an eye. And his quality of life had really changed because while he hadn't been sound for a while, you'd still watch him play like with Henley. And he'd go out there, here I come, here I come. and it had gotten to the point where he wasn't doing that. It's always that hard decision. You can see that it's their time, you know, that this quality of life isn't the same, but it's so hard to say goodbye. But he was with me from way, way, way back. So when I went from John and Beezy's to go out and do demos many, 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 you know, decades ago, to go out and do demos with each people, it was Minty and George were the two ones that were there. So Minty, as I watched him, all that and he did under saddle even olympic uh dressage rider one time said i was working with her just before she was going to olympic in sydney and 
she watched Minty just be Minty, and she said, oh, I'd love to ride this horse. He's a bred who had learned to collect positive reinforcement, but you could see it was very different. And so he came through all that, ran that whole gamut and, and watched horses come and go all the way up. I had an off-the-track thoroughbred, and he's a more recent horse. And then my most recent horse now is Henley. And Henley is two years old, and she's the horse I see that's going to stay in footprints, you know, that is going to follow in his footprints, who has big shoes to fill. So I'm really excited about that. And when I look at Henley side by side, I would think, Minty, you're age. She came to me as a year late, and I was thinking, Minty, you're her age when I started working with you know, and then just whole generation in between. So it's it's a sad thing and a good thing. It's sad the way that, you know, he had a wonderful life and he taught so much, but especially me. And he touched myself. I can see that in your face. I can see the love and the affection. That you, obviously, we love our horses, but that comes through pretty clear how much she thought about him. So sometimes I pick up on energy. And when people are talking about their animals, so please forgive me if this is not the, the same horse, but what I'm getting is, I know he was a big horse, but it, but it, there's a, a, a strength with him, but also a gentleness. Now, I don't mean feminine gentle. It's, it's a firm gentle and he stands proud and I can feel his energy and it's wrapping himself around you now as you're talking about him. And he very much wants you, so please forgive me if you don't feel this is for you. And I'm sorry if I'm going to make you cry. But he wants you to know that he's with you and he's with your work. He helps with your work, but also with you, the horses. He helps them understand if they're feeling a little bit unsure to refocus and connect with their own energy. He helps them to bring their energy back to themselves. And I'm also getting told to say to you, I will say this normally if I get stuff that's personal, I won't obviously we're, we're live but he wants to reassure you that you did everything that you possibly could and he heard the words that you spoke as it was his time to leave um sorry i didn't know i was going to be saying that tonight but i have to give it as it comes and he says that with love he's very proud very proud of himself but also of you and he sees what's ahead of you that you can't see and he's proud of that so prizes are coming your way in the most beautiful beautiful way so i i apologize for making you cry but it's given with the love that's come and it's and i totally you know he was always a very gentle old soul even a young little guy he was a an old soul so him kind of taking in the world and watching the world that's very much how he was and i loved him the pieces the two generations you know and seeing Minty and Henley, and I would say, help her know what to do. Help her know what's next. Please guide her. So hopefully that's confirmation that he heard you then. And he's just answering your thoughts. You know, tears aren't to be pushed away. It's not always a bad thing. Emotions that come and they're good, bad there. But it's all there. Okay, thank you. So Henley is the new horse. So tell me, what have you been doing so far? I'm also going to tell you, she's my first mare that I've owned. <laughs> It's had geldings, not because I picked them out and that thought I need a gelding. It's just what came into my life. And so she came in and she is a smart mare, Jess, who bred her. She's a very small breeder. She breeds one. This year she bred two 
horses, but last year she didn't breed any. She doesn't have a lot. She just has one or two that she works on through the year. And so when Henley was born, I, I had helped her with a horse who kind of found herself in a really confusing situation. She'd become dangerous. It was a horse she had raised and knew what she was like, and she wasn't being like that. So she got herself in a, she didn't get herself there. People got her there, but she was in a bad place. And I helped her with her horse. And then when Henley was born, she said, this one is a lot like the other. We're still here. Now I'm with Jesse and I get to see the source all the time. And she said, she has a personality a lot like that one, which is a lot of personality. I love a big personality to be they are and what they want to do. And I don't want to lose that, but I also want to teach her to work with me. She is smart and she keeps me on my toes. She's delightful and she's funny and she's brave and she is curious to know. And we took her and Santino on a, a trip to go to something called Equitana. And Equitana, they had it here in the United States and it was down in Kentucky, worst part. And we took the two of them. It was only their second time off the farm in a working situation, the first time. She had traveled commercially and him to go to Equitana. It's like, it's a raucous place. And she first starts taking it all in by day two, day three, particularly. She's starting to think, this is just fascinating. You could see it in her face. And so she's very smart and very much, she's very optimistic. That's what I feel about her. She just looks at the world with goodness, as opposed to looking at the world of trepidation and suspicion or fear. I'm excited for where we're going to go. And what we have ahead of us too. So she's more open to experiences rather than closed off. Mm-hmm. She's pretty sure the world's here for her. It's also a very kind, sensitive way. She would be very much trying to keep peace between different horses. She got along with every different ones I put her with, and she'd get along with both of them, but she would try to get them to be together. You know, she's very thoughtful and and sensitive and sweet. So as much as she looks at the world and thinks it's all there for her, it, it's in a thoughtful way. I just love her pieces. But she is different. She's different than what I've had before. Let's just go back a few years. When you worked with the killer whales, wasn't it? You worked with the, the whales. So when you transferred what you learned there what you, to the horses, did you have to adapt it? How did that come about? And it's a good question because people tend to segregate these things with whales, dolphins, sea lions. So I've worked with all different species, but it's the same training. It is science of how we all learn and whether we're aware of it or not, it's going on with our horses or dogs or whatever it might be. But I'd say 50 times more since I've been with the horses. I've learned a lot of good techniques. I learned how to create a desire to want to learn and how to raise criteria. I really started to recognize that there was a lot of, uh, show baggage, you know, that comes with the horses. They come from different places. Mammals, as they start, they, they're all either born there, they were rescues, like the sea lions. If they were rescued, they couldn't be released because they were babies, typically, and they had no skill, so they had a new home. All the animals I worked with had been there for so long, and they, they just had one continuous trajectory, and they had lots of experience with trainers around them. It, it just was very different. But I started working with horses. They would come in and they would have different backgrounds and you would see them being worried about things or you'd see transformations or what happens when you work with them and then you don't work with them. It was just all very, very different. And so I've so much more about the emotional component 
while I took it for granted, I thought everybody thinks about emotions. And then realized a lot of people don't, you know, they haven't been taught to think like that. But I think it's the nature of where horses have served us in our lives as they've been horses, they've been transportation and they've been a lot of things. I, I think sometimes they, people would have had to make decisions that would be hard because you couldn't say, but how is being whatever the, the name might be. They couldn't do that. They needed them to plow the field. They needed that. So I think they're kind of our pets. And we may be showing and doing business things with them, but we can still have amazing relationships with them, even doing those things. But I think if people stop and slow down to raise awareness of what these sentient beings are capable of and what kind of relationships we can have and what kind of damage sometimes we unintentionally can be doing. So I think all of those things have been something that's changed but in me it has raised my awareness about horses and horse people and what needs to be done to help them i understand what you're what you're saying obviously horses have baggage but we have a hell of a lot more baggage so they have their own baggage and they have ours on top of it and you can't separate the human and the horse element it comes together as one and the influences and impacts that we have on them is far, far bigger than we realize. Anything that you can do to engage with that beautiful animal and, and try and interact with them, to me, is an amazing tool. Now, my limited um, understanding of clicker training, on-target training, as you call it, I used with uh, my own mare, and I had quite a few hurdles to get over. Basically, I'd lost my nerve to get back on my horse, but there was other things going on with her. But that was my side of, of the deal. And I needed to get over this, but I, I wasn't in, always in a financial position to get external help. So I started to use clicker training and I loved it because like you said, it doesn't just help with things on the ground. It helps with when you're riding. And my little goal, which I still look back at and I still think it was amazing, was just to get toots to come up to a barrel and stand there so I could basically just put my leg over, leg off, leg over, leg off, and then progress to just maybe sitting on her. I mean, this went over months. I'm talking months. It shouldn't have done, but it did. I also had a friend that helped me with uh, my mind because when you've got a mental block, it doesn't matter how much somebody helps you. If there's a mental block there, you've got to deal with that, which is yourself first. And she helped me big time with that. But combined with the clicker, Two understood what I was asking. So it might not have been the correct way, <laughs> if there is a correct way, but she understood what I was trying to relay to her. And in the end, what she did was she'd walk up to the barrel and she'd look at me and I'd get on her. And that's how I got back on my horse. And that's with clicker training. And I still use it. I practiced clicker training to get her to back up. Now, to me, it wasn't just a simple back up is one instruction. The first thing was to slightly relax the neck. The second one was to take a step back. The third one was to relax the neck and take a step back. And then the next lessons were to do that with just a slight touch on a chest. And then it progressed to just a hand maneuver. So that was like lots of different steps, but then it all rolled into one. And she still does that. And she moves to the side just from a hand signal. And she still remembers that. So for me, it was a friend because it was just me and my horse. And we played. And 
yeah i just had so much fun with it you know the hula hoops that you can buy with like little beads in and make lots of noise she had to think about having a bridle on because i i sent her away some training and with all the good intentions but it, it wasn't really right for her so i had to get her over having a bridle on and so I bought this hula hoop, which was like a, a few, and basically used to touch it on her side and pluck her and then touch it and then make the noise and she'd stand. And then once she relaxed, I'd, I'd go a little bit further. And in the end, I literally put the hoop over her head. The first time I did it, I got it over her head. It made the noise and she ran up the field with this hula hoop, making all these noises. And then she stopped, turned around and came back to me and I took it off. And I was so proud of her. I was so proud of her. So for me, it made a huge difference to having a horse that wasn't able to be ridden for lots of reasons, but having interaction within a place, you know, it was occupying in mind. Yeah. That's... <laughs> it is huge. And I love you tapped on a few things there that I think that are really important is I think that because the horses are so large, people get frightened. You know, so if they feel like they can't control every piece, they get worried. Think about when you're driving, you're driving in the car and somebody pulls out in front of you. And a lot of times we get mad, really mad. We got scared and it comes out in this kind of this sideways way. And I think that happens with horses a fair share. They do something not knowing. And then the person thinks they're far too big. And so then they react big. And so it begins this little bit of lack of communication, but things that's huge with the positive reinforcement whether it's marine mammals or horses is you're saying we're going to come to this together i'm not going to make you do anything and watching your horse have free choice to be able to do things it's very empowering and it gives people confidence you know i remember early on when i first started doing this there was a, a young gal and her trainer that were high in the equitation children's equitation here in the u.s which is on a track for to be a professional you know it's a big big thing for kids to do and there was a girl and horse stopped and so she lost her confidence well then horse could sense her apprehension and lost his confidence <laughs> they have two of them gone well you're not doing it i'm not doing it nobody could help each other in that way because like you said you can't just go just get over it it's it's a thing and it's a process and so the, she began teaching her horse to pre-jump and so she could see my horse actually can jump that and then it was her trainer's suggestion. And then her trainer worked with her. She has the, the horse can go back and forth. And then she put the gal on, said, don't do anything. You're just going to sit there. Called the horse over. So now she's jumping on her horse. She knows that the horse can do it. She's not commanding this. She's just up there. And it was a way for them to find their way back to confidence together and, and growing past that. So I think it's really important. And I love also that you just, you experimented with it and you took it to the small steps and thought, well, what are all? tiny steps. It's the best way to bring clarity and clarity brings relaxation for the horses oftentimes. So I think it was brilliant that you went that way and that you found your way to something that so fulfilling for both us and for the horses. So I love that. I could do because I wasn't able to do anything else at the time and she still remembers it. I mean, but also if I'm trying to do something, not so much now, but when I was trying to do something new, and her focus was somewhere else. As soon as she t slightly dropped that focus and started to come back to me, although she was still intended to look back out, I'd pluck her. So she'd go, oh, that means reward. But my rewards were like the tiniest thing. It would be like a, a grain. It got down to be a grain of something. 
And uh, I'd say to people, you know, she doesn't have to do it because would you do it for that? And she's a big horse. So she's doing it because she wants to. If I hadn't done it for a while and then she came to interact, I'd notice the difference if because I'm doing it because I want something. I want the food. I'm not really wanting to play, but I'm on the food. She'd have a different whole demeanor and it would just feel different. I'm No, we're not doing it then because it's the wrong frame of mind. So if she came and wanted to be with me, then that was okay because she was wanting to play, wanting to interact. And I'd find that she'd follow me up the field. She'd still want to play because it was fun. And maybe also she was getting the good vibes from me, that warm glow of just getting on the same page and finding a mutual communication in that way. Yeah, it was an immense help to me. And I only did a fraction of what I could have done with that, but it was still very, very helpful and fun at the end of the day, just fun. It, it's like with the remembers, they shouldn't be working for their food. They should be able to get all the food they want. It becomes a part of it. But when it's done well, it is not all about the food. So positive reinforcement training, like any other training, it, it, it can be done poorly as well. So if it is, and it feels like it's all about the food, then, I, then there's some piece that's missing there. So really going back and trying to make it more about the fun and the game. And there's kind of some strategery, you know, you can do to create more of that. But it mm. sounds like you did a great job with it and got right to to the crux. It really turned it into being fun. And it is not all about the food. It is about the game and the enjoyment of the game, you know, and that's really an important component. Like if I've worked on putting the halter on, I don't feel like I have to feed every time I put the halter on. I'm going to put the halter on and we're going to do something else. And pretty soon, like, I just love the halter. I have endorphins and dopamines. You don't think you owe me. So I think it's kind of, it's a systematic approach more than people think. It, it's not just feed them. And there is a steps to it, which you were doing. You were raising the criteria. You're doing it. You're raising the criteria. You built upon it. You said, okay, well, intense like that right now, then that's okay. You can do whatever you want, but that's not the frame of mind I want to work. And I think all of that is very intrinsically understood by you like you said you just began to do it and you already kind of had the nuances there that were important part of creating the right attitude and right demeanor about it and the right relationship really thank you like you said i don't actually have to give her food now but if it's something she's really sort of got over i'm like you can have something and she can have a huge carrot or whatever i also did which i found was fun with traffic cones and I had traffic cones in a circle. And what I would do was point to one traffic cone and she would go up and, and touch it with the nose. And then I would be thinking about the third one, not the next one. And she'd walk to the next one and she'd be obviously listening to me, tuning in. And then I, I wouldn't do anything. And then she'd go to the next one and then I would go, you know. So it was almost like a guess. She wouldn't necessarily go to the first one and the second one, the third one. She got that it wasn't always going to be that way. And she was just, right, is it this one? No, it's not that one. Is it this one? And that was fun. And then you do like diagonals. I found it fascinating because it also helps me doing what I'm doing now because you're connecting on the brain waves, you're connecting to that. And yeah, it helped with that actually, because you're focusing on that and you're almost ignoring what's going on around you and you just focus on the horse and they're listening to you on an energetic level as well, as well as the, the visual. Yeah. As a child, I um, had abuse in my history. So I am what has been termed, I'm hypervigilant, which means I get 
little nuances of changes of behavior. Like I can tell somebody's in a funny mood about something. And it's that hypersensitivity mm-hmm. changes and what's going on. And it, it helps when you're training. I always say silver lining, you know, in every cloud, because it really does help me to kind of think it shifted just now. What happened that shifted your thinking? And it becomes a two-way street where they get refined and thinking and paying attention to what I'm communicating and vice versa. I can kind of go, okay, something is different or something is good or something is tough, you know, whatever it is. So I think it all goes together. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, you've got some clinics coming up, haven't you? Would you like to chat a little bit about the clinics? Yes. So, you know, I was in New Mexico and it was a situation that was kind of becoming, you know, more and more difficult for everybody, you know, and so I thought, you know what, it's time for me to get back out in the world a bit. And so I was talking with Jessie, who I am with now, and she's the breeder of Henley and, and Santino and Lovely Horses, and really is a wonderful horseman who had now been embracing positive reinforcement more and more and had that desire to reach the show world. And so I was talking to her, and we've always talked. And it was just clear that it was time for me to bring Henley back to her herd and for us to explore and get out and doing clinics. So now I'm based in Pennsylvania with Jesse and we are on the road a lot. So taking horses as much as we can. And so this week coming up, we actually leave tonight and drive for a few hours. Then tomorrow we'll finish the journey down to Georgia. And Georgia is in Southern United States, just above Florida. So we're heading down there to work with some rescue horses. So this is a private clinic, the first one, because that somebody wants to work with um, her volunteers, her horses, her staff, and to get them utilizing the positive reinforcement with the rescues, which is such a huge and powerful tool to help those troubled souls to find some safety in, in their world. So they had, after the, that couple of days there, we'll go to uh, North Carolina. And, and do a, a regular weekend clinic with, with some people there that are, and it's kind of North Carolina by the Tryon area, which is a big horse center. There's a big equestrian center there. And then we're still booking and booking and booking things. So we have things coming up. We're right now working on the Northwest. We'll get to the UK, back over to Europe. So hopefully maybe later next, later in the summer, kind of get back that way. So we just need to start getting dates because there's a lot of interest. It's just organizing the dates and getting out there. My big goal with teaching clinics is, you know, in the beginning, nobody knew anything. So everything was a brand new clinic. It was brand new people with brand new horses. But now you kind of have a mix. Some people are still new to it and they're figuring it out and embracing it, which I love because that means it's a generation of people. Some people have been doing it and now they're wanting to refine their skills. You know, they're like, yep, kind of got stuck here in these places and just trying to help people get it right. because. As I said, you can do positive reinforcement wrong, just like any other training. And I think a lot of times people get excited about the positive reinforcement and then they go forward and they kind of miss some pieces. So I have a horse is too excited or a horse is, too, you know, whatever it might be. So really trying to help people stay out of those potholes along the road and they can slow them down or have it go wrong. So while it's exciting to have so many people doing it, it also means there's a lot of people doing it that haven't really necessarily ironed out some of the pieces. Sometimes people have seen it and been like, I'm not going to do that. Or, or I don't do clicker training because look what it's got this person. And it just to me means, okay, we just need a little more clarification and 
was such a big push in the beginning and now it's got some momentum, but it's ready for the next big push to get it to a broader audience, of course, people. So that's what the clinics are about. But really, I want to meet people wherever they are. So in one clinic, I might have a brand new person and a person who's doing undersaddled stuff and is rather experienced. It, it doesn't matter to me. We're going to deal with all of it because the new person can see where it can go to. We have more resource people are further along. But I want everyone to go home at the end of the clinic and think, I know what to do. I know what steps I'm going to take next. I want them to have a plan moving forward. And it's very exciting to be out there and be helping people and helping horses to embrace it and understand it. Brilliant. That's such a lovely thing to do and a lovely skill and a gift to share with people. But it also shows when you're working that way, you're highlighting um, what the horses are reflecting back. So you're highlighting the small eye movements as ears, you know, where are the ears and how they're feeling. So you're creating a, a place where they can see that and notice that and then change it with positive reinforcement. So you're giving them a gift that they can help not just themselves, but the, but the, the horses. And especially this confusion as well, it, it helps. I might not, as I said before, necessarily do it the correct way if you read it in a book, that my horse was understanding what I was trying to say. And it was almost like, ah, that's what you want. Okay, let's try this again. It's frustration when you think you're relaying a message when actually you're giving a whole different story. And the horse is like, I don't know what you're saying to me. <laughs> I think it is really important because it's kind of giving the horse a voice too. Because they're talking loud and clear all the time to us. But you watch and you're like, why is your nose look all tight? You know, and people might not notice it, but to me, I go, that's saying something. Now, I've had horses that their noses are always like prehensile little elephant trunks everywhere. And I get that, but that would not be minty. But they're doing things that are trying to tell us, you know, communication. And if we can slow down and listen to communication, I almost think of it like, like somebody speaking a foreign language. Learning to really help us to be better with them and to to come together and work together. And it's really important to me. And I love being able to point out when I work with somebody's horse, giving information and helping us to communicate together what direction to go. And so I love when people get a chance to see that and, and take that away. And like you said, they're all individuals. So there is no recipe book. I can't go, this is how you do it. It could be a little of this. It could be a little of that. You can depend on how they are. And, and you try something and sometimes you think that's not right. And I'm going to try something else. And I think that it's a dance. And I think to slow down and appreciate the dance. Yeah, absolutely. As you was talking, um, again, this is what I was picking up. So Minty was asking me to remind you of the time at the beginning when you used to get so excited when there was improvements. And sometimes he would slow it down because he wanted you to slow down. So his responses would be a little bit slower. Because he was saying to you, you've got to slow this down. The excitement was like, wow. So this is what he's asking me to relate to you, to remember that when you're teaching your students, because you can say to them, I know what that place is like, because I did that. Is that correct? Because this is how I'm picking up. And when I had Minty Georgie, he was a bundle of energy. He gave you too much all the time. There's always too much Georgie. And he was very distracted. Minty was rather slow and thoughtful about everything even as a baby i mean at some point i remember saying to him do you have fun perfect 
that, you know, when George was a little precocious. So, I mean, I know he had fun, but it, it was more of your slow down and have their personalities be so different. He was very much, I'm going to slow down and think through it and do it deliberately and do it consistently from here on out. When Georgie was the, what's that? It was very easy to track. And so I could see that. That ring true, very true to me. With him. He feels a very, very nice soul, very nice energy, very grounded. Yeah, but he says, I, I like to kick my heels too. When I say they say, it's the feeling of what they're giving me. And he says, I like to keep my heels too. He feels very solid as well. And a nice, nice horse, nice energy. And he's very much around you all the time. And every time you think of him, he's there. It's because he's there. His energy's there. And uh, he wants to say again that he's so proud. He's proud of you on a personal level. And that's all I'm going to say. He wants to say he's so, so proud of you on a personal level. Okay. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say. You can ask me about that afterwards if you want to. So <laughs> there we go. I made you cry again. <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Anything coming up? I know you've got some clinics, but anything different that's coming up in the future? Well, we're um, going to be working on an online course. Got really excited about it because I thought I need to slow down and get some pieces sorted, make sure it's solid. And so we're starting with some of that, but I'm also writing a book. It's my second book, same publisher. So I'm excited to get down what I've learned in the past 20 years since the first book was written. So that's coming up. And so I'm sure there will be lots more things coming up. And I'm just open to them. But according to Minty, that's what you said earlier. There's things coming up that you, you can't see. And they're exciting and lovely things, which is, which is great. So if there's anything else you want to talk about, or are you happy with how the interview's gone? <laughs> Yes, I really am. I think it's been quite lovely and kind of a surprise, you know, a sweet surprise to, to be hearing from me. And also, I have a podcast that's kind of been on hiatus, but it's an instructional clicker training. It's called Equine Clicker 101. And so if you look that up, you find it on Apple. All the big podcasts, you can find it. And it takes you step by step some training things. So if anyone's interested in wanting to learn more or wanting a little instruction, I'll get back to doing that too. But anyway, it's been fabulous. I've just had a great time talking and thinking about all you've done too and what you've discovered with the positive reinforcement. It's so powerful. And I love that you're getting out there and sharing it with people and it helped you in your relationship with her. It did immensely, Shauna. Brilliant. So what I'll do is I will add the the, the links to your uh, podcast on this post as well. So what I'll do is I'll just pop you out and I'll just say bye to everybody. Okay. okay. Do you want to say bye to everybody? Yes, I do. Ronnie, and it's just great to have all your listeners here or about the positive reinforcement, the horse education, and, and I will get back over to the UK. So, okay. Thank you. What a lovely, lovely lady and, and so nice of her to join us. I hope you enjoyed um, that interview. So thank you very much and I shall talk to you again soon. Thank you very much and bye for now. You've been listening to Ronnie King at Equine Voices. Thank you for listening and speak to you soon.